0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fan's Coffee Break. Will Peterson, Rachel Behill hanging out with you on this Wednesday. We went to bed late, Will, but for good reasoning, because the Colorado Avalanche get the OT winner against the St. Louis Blues in game one of round two. Will, you've had a couple of hours. How are you feeling after last night's game?
1: Still got my pom-pom, still fired up, Rachel. Uh, listen, it, it was a game that was frustrating in the sense that you know, when you hit five goal posts and Bennington makes three or four unbelievable saves, you felt like it should have been another laugh or it should have been hockey tacos. They should have had seven goals once again. So uh, now that we've had some time to digest it, I think there's two things here, right? Like we can nitpick what could have been better. That's totally fair. Like you're allowed to nitpick, you're in the Elite Eight, you're chasing a cup. This has been the round that has, uh, you know, obviously. Haunted. Befuddled the avalanche over the last three years. Like it's been their kryptonite. It's been the thing they can't get past. But at the same time, we can acknowledge that championship teams find ways to win games like that. And that's what they did last night. They went into overtime and they could have easily pouted and said, It's not our night. And we've hit five posts and the Blues are just going to steal this one from us. But they didn't. Like what Jared Bednar said to that team in between the third period and overtime. That could have been like the miracle speech. Like I'm sure it was inspiring because they outshot the Blues thirteen to nothing in the first eight minutes of OT before Josh Manson finally powers one through a, a great screen by Gabe Landeskog. I don't think Jordan Binnington ever saw that puck. So I'm feeling great, Rachel. Waving my pom pom. Abs are five and zero in the playoffs, and uh, mission sixteen W is now mission eleven W
0: my goodness. It's kind of just rolling closer and closer and closer. I, we've gotten lucky, obviously, because they haven't lost any games here in the playoffs. My question is, for last night's game, who was more at fault? I mean, obviously they got a win, so I think saying who's at fault is kind of harsh on me, but was it the defense for allowing the two goals, or was it the offense for just being off?
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're going. Like, why was it closer than it should have been? I think, exactly. you know, like, why wasn't the game a laugher? Because we all know uh, the stats, and I know we'll get to those, and, and there they are there. I mean, 54 to 25 shots on goal. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? That should be a 6-1, 6-2 win, and instead it's a 3-2 sweater and overtime. Rachel, I'm going to go with the, uh, the offense just because – you know, I know I was easy on him last night. Hey, you hit five goalposts. That's hard to do, blah, blah, blah. But I think you and, and James Merlot were onto something, too, of like, yeah, you can hit five goalposts, but that's five pucks, or at least two or three of them that you got to bury in the back of the net. Like, last time I checked, you don't get a point for hitting a goal post. So, I'll go offense. Listen, on the first goal, I actually thought it was just really bad puck lock. It hit one dude's knee for St. Louis, another dude's knee for St. Louis, and ends up on Ryan O'Reilly's stick. Like. People, I've seen some some chatter. Ah, it's Kill McCar's fault. It's like, yeah, it wasn't the best clear in the world, but they got the ultimate pinball bounce, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you watch the replays of that goal, uh, you couldn't recreate that. If you got another hundred tries, like it was just the Blues puck luck working their way, ending up on O'Reilly stick and a breakaway on Kemper. But the second goal was was a terrible line change. I mean, it was it was discombobulated. It's the end of a power play, so you know the Blues still have the uh, the one up man advantage. And you somehow try to get all four guys off the ice while, while two blues are streaking in. It's, that's a recipe for disaster. And uh, nice little toe drag there to, to tie it up at two by Cairo. So, uh, li- listen, if we're going to nitpick, yeah, the offense needs to score more goals. Like, you can shoot 54 times, but you got to put the puck in the back of the net. So, that's where, uh, you know, after, what, I think I've slept for... Ten hours now. Um, that's where, yeah, that's where, that's where my mind goes. Is it's put the puck in the back of the net, fellas, because you give up two goals with this high-powered offense, you should win every game. Like we can, we can say, oh, well, that second one was bad. Well, guess what? You, you should win five-two. That's just who the ABS are. So all good. They got the dub, but there are still things that they can improve on for game two.
0: Absolutely. And this St. Louis Blues team is actually pretty dang good. If they weren't going up against this Colorado Avalanche team, I think that this would be a series that would go to seven, right? We've talked about it going to five, and that's still how dominant this Avs team can be. We're still giving them at least one game, most likely, because this Avs team really is a good quality team.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the Blues, uh, obviously, beating the Wild wasn't something I had. And and let's be honest, Rachel, the last time there was a real – Stanley Cup class. and I, I hesitate to use the word real because it diminishes Tampa's last two cups. But by real, I mean full capacity arena from the start, no bubble, no COVID, just totally back to normal. The last time that happened was the 2019 season, which, gosh, it's 2022. That's crazy. But that was when the Blues won the cup. And the roster is by no means the same, but The goalie was Jordan Pennington. Vladimir Tarasenko was still there. Like, there are guys that are holdovers who won the Cup. In 2020, you have the bubble, no fans, Edmonton. And then even last year, as those arenas started to get more full, listen, there was no fans in the Canadian arenas in 2021. It was controversial that Ball Arena was about to go to full capacity right before the Avs got knocked out, but those first few rows were empty or covered in tarps or whatever. My point being, the St. Louis Blues have claimed to the last normal Stanley Cup. So it's going to be a tough out for the Avalanche because, like I mentioned, I don't have the number in front of me, but there's at least 10 guys on that team who won that Cup in 2019. So uh, they're a great team, and it's it, 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 you can tell the rounds are getting tougher, right? Like, you, you go to the Sweet 16 against a Nashville team that barely snuck in, it's like, all right, dispatch you in four. There's only eight teams left. You look at this bracket, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. If you're one of the final eight teams in the NHL, you're pretty darn good. And that's the category St. Louis falls in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jeremy Rutherford joined us. He's the Athletic St. Louis Blues beat writer. And he said, I believe it was 10 players that 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 were part of that cup team that are still on that team today. So that's a lot. Let's be honest. That's more than any Colorado Avalanche amount of players that have been on a cup that have won. So they have the experience to absolutely win it. Which is why they also scare me. And Jordan Bennington last night, despite losing, had a good night.
1: Great night. Great night. I mean, the uh, you know, even the same on Nechushkin in overtime was was ridiculous, right? Like I know Manson ended it a couple minutes later, but uh Bennington was studly throughout. Uh, he got a lot of help from the goal posts. Like we can continue to harp on that because he did. The shot by Codry beat him, and hit the goalpost or the crossbar. The shot by Randon beat him, it hit the goal post of the, the crossbar. But he also robbed Arturi Lekanen, I believe, at the end of the second period, too, or beginning of the third. Like those two saves he had on Lekanen and Ichushkin were unreal. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of game two against Nashville. And I know I've said that a couple times now, but the similarities, you know, the Avs have over 50 shots in both. A goalie stands on his head in both, and then they find a way to solve him in OT and still get the win. So the hot goalie thing, Rachel, we, we talk about that all the time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, they've now faced two hot goalies in five games, and they're still 5-0. So that's a really good sign, too, of, you know, you can lose when you you run into a goalie who's just a brick wall. And, and again, 40% of their games thus far have had a goalie who's a brick wall. And they still found a way. They both took OT, but they uh, are still undefeated this postseason.
0: Keep waving that pom-pom, baby. Yeah. Well, it was even more fun last night because the Blues, it kind of had a little bit of a pity party in the box. We have a video of one of the Blues players absolutely just going at the camera. He clearly did not want to be filmed. He was pissed off. Honestly, hilarious. I know there's going to be so many memes going forward on this video.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a meltdown if I've ever seen one. Uh, I, I believe it was Brayden Shed, and I get it. Like, you know, he's frustrated because he gets called for a high stick with a minute 20 left in the third period after his team had just tied it up and uh, it, it goes to overtime. But listen, the call on Devon Taves with five minutes left to put the Blues on the power play was a soft call too. So it was a little, you know, tick for tat. Like it, it, it happens, right? Like one soft call against the Abs. One soft call against the the Blues, but man, that is, that is a meltdown in the penalty box. I mean, that poor camera. What did the camera do to deserve that? And does he know that's a camera? That's what I want to know. Is he like, you know, when like someone gets arrested and they, there's a camera crew and they put their hand up, like, don't put me on TV? Is he trying <laughs> to break that thing so they can't see him all grumpy in the penalty box? I don't know. Uh, all time. Okay,
0: old- one more time. We need to replay that though. But the guy sitting in there with him too, just like. Not paying attention at all. Like you can see, obviously the fans in the back—they're laughing and they're like, "What the heck?" But the other guy is just like, "Oh, okay."
1: Yeah, I got a nephew who's four and a half years old. That looks like one of his temper tantrums. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's an all time uh, meltdown by Shad. And you're right. the I, I believe that's just an NHL employee. You know, he's not affiliated with either team. He he's a ref in some capacity, you know, because he's the the penalty box keeper or whatever. He's kind of just like he's probably seen it all, but he's like, all right, dude, have your have your temper tantrum. I'm just gonna sit here, whatever. Uh, I wish he had actually scored there, because then he would have come out of the box like on a tear and tried to rip an official's head off and maybe got suspended. Uh, I think he had some time to cool off before they won. But when they called that penalty, I know you were there. I mean, he, he temper tantrumed on the ice, and then he doubled down in the box. Like, he could not have been more ticked off that they called that penalty. And, again, 2-2 two, two game, minute 20 left, crucial juncture. But you talk about having no composure whatsoever.
0: Well, and that's part of it, too. When you're actually there, you don't get to see the facial expressions, the body movements like you do on the broadcast. Like, we heard the crowd boo. We heard everybody kind of, you know, go at him. But we didn't get to see that. I didn't see that until it appeared on social media. So I always find it interesting to see how it was – being there at ball arena compared to what you see on the broadcast and what goes viral on social media. Cause it's always a little bit different. You see different components, like there are pros and cons to actually being at the arena, but also pros and cons to watching at home, obviously.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, you know, I am envious that you were there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there are perks to sitting on my couch too. I get to see all the slow-mo replays and see everything develop and see stuff like that. So yeah, pros and cons to both. And guess what? That's why we have some folks at the rink, some folks at home, so we can uh, cover every angle, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Well, another person that was down at Ball Arena last night was Russell Wilson. Obviously, he was in the stands. He was there for the Nuggets Warriors Series. He's there for the Ad Series. Oh, go ahead. You can play it. Play it. so so cool the fans obviously loving Russell Wilson being there Jake's our producer behind the boards today um, it was so much fun though obviously the crowd loves Russell Wilson like it is so much fun we saw the picture of him from the avalanche that they tweeted out beforehand so everyone was kind of like when are they gonna show Russ what are they gonna do and he just can pump up the crowd and I was talking with Mac because he was at the game with me last night and I asked was this what it was like when Peyton Manning was like the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And he was like, Peyton never went to all of these events. Russ is there. It's a full on like experience when Russell Wilson is out there.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like Peyton's really emba- embraced that in his post playing career. We see him a lot around town and, you know, he supports Todd Helton at the Rockies when he was still here and uh, you know, nuggets games sitting with Marshall and Mosley and all that. Uh, and obviously Broncos games too, but with Russ, like, he hasn't even played a game with the Broncos. And, Rachel, you go through the list of what he's done, you know, courtside at two different Nuggets games, one regular season, one playoff. He throws out the first pitch at Rockies opening day and then goes and sits in the suite. And now he's in a box at an avalanche playoff game, you know, out of the four major sports. And I, and I know we have the Rapids and the Mammoth. But out of the four major, the only box he hasn't checked yet is the Broncos. And oh, by the way, he's the Broncos quarterback. So he will not be going to one of those games as a fan. I mean, Russ has been here a little over two months now and just completely diving into this Denver scene. And I love it. You know, like it, it's a man of the people. He's embracing the community, he's showing these people hey, you're the same ones that are going to be supporting me on Sunday. And I'm here. I mean, the video of him and Jokic and Sierra—like, does it get any better than that? That was so cool in the bowels of Ball Arena at the, at the um, you know, at the end of the game when he when he said hello or whatever. And then, like last night, like you know, I know we've joked like, oh, Russ has a social media team, right? Like, he, he's not doing his own Twitter. He's clearly doing his own Twitter last night. Like, he clearly took the video when they scored the game winner and posted it himself. Like, I think sometimes we have to remember, like, yeah, he's got an entourage, he's got a team, he's got security guards, but he's still got an iPhone. He He's a grown man. He can, he can tweet his own videos, too, as Braden Chen gets mad at me for saying Russ is a man of the people. But in, in all seriousness, like – has this dude had a better two months in Denver? Like, he's got to go do it on Sundays, but he's off to a killer start as the Broncos quarterback.
0: It's so much fun to to just see that involvement. Like, it's fun when there's cross-contamination or however you want to put it between the sports, right? Like, we love seeing the Broncos support the Avalanche, the Nuggets, the Rapids. We love seeing the Rapids support the Avalanche, the Nuggets. That's what makes Denver such a fun sports town is because they're all supporting you know there's jokes going on you see all the twitter accounts and this is a huge shout out to all the social media teams but they're all interacting with each other and it makes it so much fun to enjoy as a fan
1: yeah you see like um i remember you know buddy black wearing like a an avalanche or a nuggets jersey and then michael malone shouting out buddy black and even when Fangio was here, grumpy old Fangio, a couple of coaches around town said, Hey, congrats to Vic. I talked to Vic, whatever. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a community for sure. And we have to remember there's very few cities in America that have the four major pro sports teams and Denver has got to be the uh, quote unquote smallest, you know, like it, it, obviously New York's got the big four and LA's got the big four and Chicago's got the big four. And then you got Denver in the the middle of the country and we're not the Midwest with the Rocky mountain region. You know, I'm not associating us with Iowa and Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska, (laughs) but we are generally thought of as a flyover state, a flyover city. And we're supporting these four teams and there's a sense of community, obviously amongst the fans, but amongst the guys that choose to play here too. And that to me is what's so cool. And it's not even above the Broncos quarterback, right? Like Russ himself, the number one man in town, like, Who are the three most famous people that live in Denver right now? John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Russell Wilson. And he's not above supporting any of them, and I think that's pretty cool.
0: And there's one Bronco, or former Bronco, that is actually selling his house now. Von Miller selling his house. And so we figured, why not go through his listing here on Coffee Break? Let's look at the $4 million home that's going to be going live here in a few short days. So I'm going to pull it up. I've got it here on my computer. Here we go, everybody. Let's take a lovely look at um, Von Miller's house. Obviously, beautiful kitchen, correct? I mean, I'll take a $4 million house, a backyard here. Gorgeous. Another look at the backyard. TV. I'm not going to lie, though. When you think of Von Miller, I think of straight Texas. But this just makes me, like, scream mountain house. Am I the only one here?
1: No, you could tell me that's in like Vail or Aspen. I would believe you for sure. So Yeah,
0: no, 100%. Yeah. Obviously, super pretty. And you know you have money when you have a huge aquarium in your living room. I wish I could have one. But unfortunately, I don't get those paychecks like Von Miller does. There was a
1: thing at one point where he like named his fish and was putting them on Instagram, their names and stuff. And it was like, it was his aquarium that he's naming his fish. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, you have a... Aquarium in your house that's pretty cool
0: yeah no that is cool did he name any of them Bronco like Russell Wilson and Sierra named their dog Bronco
1: I can't remember what they were but it <laughs> wouldn't shock me
0: all right so then we get down to club 58 this is super well known Vaughn had a lot of parties down in club 58 too so you got to appreciate that they still have the Bronco on the big screen or mile High in power field. Beautiful, like seriously though, this just screams mountain to me. But I guess like here we go too. We're getting some cow print and everything in there. The house is stunning. I think we could all agree. Oh, all
1: right. So Rachel, this is for sale in the Foxfield area uh, for north of four million bucks. I'm not I gonna lie. Know that
0: there were nice houses over there.
1: Yeah, it's a very nice house. And if Russell Wilson's is gonna go for 25, and this is gonna go for four. Like, listen, I know Cherry Hills is like the, you know, the top zip code in Colorado. I get it. And that's where Russ is. But yeah. for $4 million, I million, uh, I would pay for this versus 25 just to say I live in Cherry Hills. Mm-hmm. And as our uh, producer, Jake Shapiro, points out, there's more bedrooms at Vaughn's house, right? Like mm-hmm. Russ got made fun of for only having four bedrooms in a $25 million house. And then to Russ's credit, he made fun of himself in the uh, Broncos schedule release video when he was the intern. But are you kidding me, Rachel? This is one-sixth of the cost of Russell Wilson's house? It looks just as nice to me.
0: Okay, that bar looked like it could be in Vegas, like where you walk up and you go to the bar. Like, that's massive.
1: It's like a sports All book like- bar. Yeah, I feel like I'm like at, at a sports book, you know, about yeah. to place a bet. And then we we skipped through a couple there, but there's some jerseys on the walls too. And yes. Andrew Mason has a story at denverbroncos.com about some of these jerseys, or excuse me, denverfan.com. You look at some of these Broncos jerseys, you know, obviously Champ Bailey, like the one right behind you. Um, you've got to Talib there. And I yeah. believe a Chris Harris Jr. So that's sort of no-fly zone of old and then no-fly zone of new. Uh, there's an Aaron Donald down there. There's a J.J. Watt, like – I can like I don't have 4 million dollars in my bank account so I don't take a real I don't think a real estate agent would take me seriously but I kind of want to like request a showing and just see if I can go uh go get a tour at Club 58 myself.
0: Just go look at it. I mean yeah, this look at that bathroom too. Okay. We're done or the closet and the shoes. Good lord, everybody. All right, well, we're done because I'm going to get super jealous of that house. Obviously, it's beautiful. I was hoping Like they said on the website, you could do a virtual showing. And I was like, oh, here we go. Because when you look at the layout, you're a little confused, right? Some areas I thought were the living room. Then you see others, and you're like, oh, this has to be the living room. Von Miller's house, again. How many bedrooms did we say it was? Let's go. I know it's
1: more than Russell's four. But you know what's funny, Rachel? Why they're doing a virtual showing? is because they know Broncos fans would just want to come gawk at it, right? And oh, just yeah. say, hey, I got to be in Von Miller's basement. Like, if you're actually getting a show in there, you're getting vetted hardcore that you have the financial means to buy it and you're a serious buyer and you don't want to just go hang out at Von Miller's house for an hour and look around.
0: Yeah, so nine bed, 15 bath. Outrageous for a house. But yeah, obviously stunning. Um, kind of sad. That means probably that... Von Miller is obviously he's not coming back to Denver, but he doesn't even want to make a little part of him a home base here in Denver. Cause otherwise I'm assuming he would keep his house. Peyton Manning's obviously done that like lots of sports legends in Colorado have done it. So it's a little sad that the Tom or the Tom Brady, the Von Miller aspect of the Denver Broncos is officially kind of closing its books, closing its doors.
1: Yeah. Club 58 getting sold really feels like the end of an era. Obviously he signs a massive and long contract with Buffalo, but you're right. Like, he got so much money now; he could keep his house in Denver. Uh, so it was a little weird this morning, actually, to see the news that that it was for sale. I'm with you; it's it's like him really shutting the door on his time in Denver. And who knows? I mean, he's young; he's like 33, 34 years old. He could he could decide when his career is done in three, four, five years that he wants to live in Denver the rest of his life, just like Peyton Manning has made that choice. But Club 58, no more, Uh, pour some out. It was some, uh, some good times there, had by those Broncos that obviously, you know, I bet after Super Bowl 50, they got back from California. Oh, to be a fly on the wall at Club 58 would have been awful fun.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine a beautiful house, though. Extremely well decorated. Uh, Philip Lindsay, another Colorado heartwarming story. He's signing with the Indianapolis Colts. So huge shout out to him. Broncos country obviously loves him. There was some beef between Broncos country, Melvin Gordon because of Philip Lindsay. It's funny to kind of see how that all worked out in years past. But uh, good for the CU buff to be signing with another team, hopefully to get another fresh start.
1: Yeah, listen, Philip Lindsay went up to the uh, CU spring game and talked to Mark Johnson up there and did an interview uh, just a a month ago or so so, and said, hey, I still want to be in the NFL. I still want to be in the NFL. And then he talked to Sean Keeler from the Denver Post and told him, I'd love to play for the Broncos. And then what did the Broncos do like three, four days later? They re-signed Melvin Gordon. So it was George Payton's way of saying like sorry, Phil, we don't have room for you here. And I sort of had that feeling in my heart of like, oh, have we seen the last of Philip Lindsay? Because the shelf life for running backs in the NFL is just not very long at all, right? Like he had a Pro Bowl season with the Broncos, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and then he goes to, to Houston and to Miami and really does nothing of note. So good to see him get another chance with the Colts. Uh, obviously, he'll back up Jonathan Taylor there in Indy, who's arguably, if not the best running back in the NFL. So touches may be few and far between for Phil, but at least he's back in the league. And, uh, you know, the Colts cut, yeah, getting paid, and the Colts cut Max Borgie to sign Phil. Colorado prep fans will know that Max Borgie, a star Mm -hmm. at Pomona High School. So uh, Mm -hmm. Phil goes to South, goes to CU, Borgie goes to Pomona, all kinds of Colorado connections here. But Phil is back in the NFL, and uh, I'm happy for him. He deserved another chance. He's still probably got a lot of gas left in that tank, or at least enough that he deserves a job, that's for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Question, who is better, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay? I mean. It has to be Melvin.
1: Yeah, but. but here's right. The, yeah, but right. But what are their two biggest things they're famous for and infamous for? Philip Lindsay, famous for not fumbling oh, yeah. the football. He never fumbles the football. He is a ball security machine. What is Melvin Gordon infamous for? Fumbling at critical times and losing his team's football games. So that's where it's it's really, you know, an interesting dilemma, Rachel, because, yes, on paper, Melvin Gordon is the more solid back. He's the bigger back. Mm-hmm. He's got the better resume. He's been in this league for longer. He's put up big stats at multiple junctures throughout his career, including here in Denver. But the fumbling issue has plagued him so much that I just have a hard time answering. And that's why I sort of you know, blew my breath out and was like, I don't know, you're putting me on the spot. Because conventional wisdom says Melvin, but mm-hmm. are we really willing to overlook the fumble issue? Um, put it this way, if they had gone Phil instead of Melvin, this guy wouldn't have been upset, so... I don't know. I think it's pretty much a coin flip. Obviously George Payton feels differently because he could have had Philip Lindsay. He could have, and he chose Melvin Gordon to be the backup.
0: Oh, you're right. And I see both sides because Melvin does have more experience, but he's also older. And we've talked a lot about here on coffee break, especially with Cecil and Amy that the shelf life for running backs is not long. So you want someone who's younger, Philip Lindsay being younger, obviously, but, Why is it that Philip Lindsay can't get a sticking job? What is it about his play that's not allowing teams to buy into him? Because obviously not fumbling the football, which is awesome. Like that, that's very, very rare when it comes to a running back.
1: Yeah, it's two things. One, it's his size, right? Like he's just, he's not a big bruising running back in the NFL. Um, And I'm not talking about height. I'm talking about bulk, right? Like Javante Williams ain't the tallest guy in the world but he breaks every tackle ever. And uh, Philip Lindsay doesn't really have that ability. We've seen it in, in bits and pieces, but not consistently. And then it's his, his ability to pass protect too. Like I, I don't think Philip Lindsay's putting a lot of great tape out there uh, of his ability to prevent the quarterback from getting blown up on a, on a play action on third and six where he's got to go pick up a, an outside linebacker and prevent him from getting to the QB. So I think those are the two big knocks on him. Ball security, obviously not. As Jake points out, uh, in college, Phillip used to carry a football around campus to get in his mind not to fumble, which I love. You know, it's it's clearly stuck it, from his days in Boulder and, you know, 2015, 16, 17 to an undrafted free agent with the Broncos and all that. So, yeah, I, I think those are the two knocks on Phil, is it, pass protection and size. But his it, ball security is great. And, Rachel, we both know that when Philip Lindsay gets in the open field, he's gone right? Like he gets the one hole, his speed is lightning fast and he has that home run capability at, at any given time. So I love it for the Colts because for the Colts, you know, Jonathan Taylor's getting 80% of your carries, but Phillip Lindsay is a home run hitter, uh, change of pace back that I bet he has two or three of those this year where, you know, Taylor's getting a breather and Phillips in there on third and three gets one block and he's gone. So uh I, I love it for the Colts. I'm happy for Phil Obviously a legend around these parts and uh, not going to lie. The more we talk about it, I kind of wish it was the Broncos. I do. I'm not, I'm not feeling enthused about Melvin Gordon being back.
0: This has made me thinking that George Payton is hinting at the fact that we're going to see both quarter or corner, both running backs often for this Broncos team, because you're right. Phillip Lindsay, if it was just going to be Javante Williams, would have made a lot more logical sense to have somebody who needs to come in 20% of the time and just make sure that you don't lose the football, right?
1: Yeah, is Melvin going to accept that role? You know, we've had that conversation before. I've heard you had it with people. They have it on 104.3 The Fan all the time. Like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Melvin's Melvin's a big fan of Melvin, and Melvin's always been the guy. And why did he leave the Chargers? Because there was some kid named Austin Eckler who was emerging to take Mm -hmm. his carries. Oh, by the way, another Colorado kid. But Melvin likes to think of Melvin as the top dog. I will be very curious to see what Melvin Gordon thinks when Javante Williams is getting 60 to 70% of the carries this season.
0: We will see. We will see. Obviously we're excited. We did get one question saying, have you heard any news on Broncos owners? I have not heard anything else happening on the Broncos ownership. I think it's getting pretty hush hush.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know that Byron Allen's going to be in town this week, probably Mm -hmm. to take his tour of headquarters. We've already had Robson Walton and Josh Harris do that. Um, and after Walton, they, there's Todd Boley, and then there's one more mystery candidate. So, um, you know, they're, they're still in the second round, but those bids still haven't come in. The five bidders are getting their tours, getting their financials, their lawyers are looking at them. I mean, we were talking about houses earlier, right? Like, if you were going to buy Vaughn Millions' $4 million house, that's a major, major transaction. This is a $4 billion transaction. This is... All right. My math's going to be bad. I think a thousand times, if not 10,000 times of what it would cost to buy Von Miller's house. So, uh, you know, the news is right now that a lot of smart people are looking at the financials behind the scenes because this is so much money. We can't even comprehend it. I don't even know if it's a thousand Von Miller's house or 10 million, 10,000 Von Miller's house, but that's how much more money 4 billion is than 4 million.
0: This is why we're in broadcasting and journalism, because we don't do math. I'm sure some math people are probably like, come on, guys, because you're right. Now that I think about it, I'm like, is it? It's got to be like 10,000, right?
1: So 4 billion divided by 4 million is the math problem we are looking for. Point being, I just love when people, and this is, I know we're, we're running out of time, but this is my last little side tangent. I love when people still say, oh, Peyton Manning's going to buy the Broncos. Peyton Manning does not have four billion dollars. Not even close. Peyton Peyton Manning's net worth is like one tenth of that on a on a really good day if he saved every penny he's ever made. Uh, as Jake points out, Rachel, it's a thousand times more. So my first guess was right. But you could buy okay, a if thousand, it's a- you could buy a thousand Club fifty eights to buy the Broncos. Think about that. A thousand of them.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting too much in my head now when it comes to math because I'm we're just gonna move on before I, I mean, embarrass 4 million, million
1: times 1,000 is 4 billion, is it though? I'm I don't know. So anyway, okay, like I said before, I embarrass
0: myself. I'm sure Jake probably pulled out the calculator and he's like, yeah. Rachel, stop being ridiculous at this moment, but um. Obviously, somebody with a lot of money is going to be taking over this team. That's something we can all agree on. Make sure you stay tuned to DenverFan.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything that we find out about the Broncos' ownership, um, about the Broncos too, Avalanche, obviously lots of fun coverage still coming. So thank you all for tuning in to Coffee Break. Will, as always, appreciate you hanging out with me. I've got my coffee. You've got your pom-poms. Cheers to an Avalanche OT winner. We'll be back tomorrow, everybody, 10.30 a.m. We'll see everybody later. Bye, guys.